Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show. Helping you do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. This is episode 198 of A Practical Show. I try to keep this rooted in common sense. That's the whole goal. I want to help you live life the way you want to live it. That's the whole goal here, strengthening your resolve. So this week, this week you have just me. I've had a lot of interviews lately. I have another interview coming up next week, which I think you're going to like. This week, you just have me. So this week's show is going to be about school security. And the reason I decided to name it that obviously, you know, unless you've been sleeping under a rock somewhere and not paying attention... School security is a big, big topic of discussion, especially with the President of the United States coming out just a few days ago with his executive orders, which, in my opinion, are going to do absolutely nothing to solve the problem that we've had at Sandy Hook Elementary. And even the gun control proposals that Congress or that he put out to Congress that Congress may or may not introduce now, we don't know yet, those even aren't going to touch the problem that we have in an upcoming podcast i'm going to talk about the root of the problem but today i'm going to talk a little bit about secure uh, school security i'm going to borrow some ideas from two people kyle and gabe i'm going to tell you who kyle and gabe are in just a few minutes but i'm going to borrow some ideas because both of them have some pretty profound writings and I'm going to share some of the, that information with you on school security. This is going to kind of give you some things to think about here and some things to play around with in the back of your mind. Now, I'm a parent. I got a 14-year-old son and uh, obviously going to school every day. And so I think about some of this stuff. And I think it's important that all of us, whether you're a parent or not, uh, there's going to be some pretty profound stuff in this that I want to talk about. Just a few announcements real quick. If you want to reach me, my email is bob at todayssurvival.com. That's bob at todayssurvival.com. There's two S's in that, Today's Survival. I do read every email, by the way. I may not respond to every single one. Normally I do, uh, but I, I do read every single email. I promise you that. I'm going to be setting up a voicemail box pretty soon, probably after episode 200, where you can call in questions and comments as well. Please consider joining the forum, the Today's Survival Show forum. It's a small forum, but growing every day. Every week I approve new members. You do have to register and then send me an email to tell me that you registered and give me your username. That way I know you're not a spammer. So email me, bob at todayssurvival.com, after you register for the forum. If you want to know how to get to the forum, just go to www.todayssurvival.com, click the forum button, and follow the instructions. We would love to have you. Also, don't forget about my Survival Champions Club podcast. The most recent is part two of the interview I did with Glenn Tate. Now, Glenn Tate is the author of the book series, 299 Days. I've completed the first two books. I'm I'm on book three right now. Fantastic stuff. This is terrific survival reading. Uh, he talks about a partial collapse. Not a full collapse, but a partial collapse. If you haven't read 299 Days, get it. Go to my website, click the Recommended Books 
tab or recommended books page. Go there and help out my show by buying these books through Amazon. You can get them in ebook or in paperback. The proceeds that I will get from my Amazon Associates account helps support my show. The author, Glenn Tate, he gave us a part two interview. Part two on building a prepper team. That's the latest Survival Champions Club podcast that's out there. It's only $25. You can also invest in that by going to todayssurvival.com, and you'll see a Buy Now button there that says Survival Champions Club podcast with Glenn Tate. He expanded on the interview that he did with me on how to build a prepper team. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have a prepper team? You might have a prepper team and you don't even know you have a prepper team. That's what's really cool. You might have an associates or have some people that are like you or think like you that are like-minded individuals. They could be local or long distance, preferably they're local. But have you ever talked to them about forming a team and a plan of action as to what you would do if the stink hits the fan? And Glenn writes about that quite a bit in 299 Days series. Well, He expanded on the interview that I played when I played part one on this show several weeks ago. So you can hear that. It's only $25. That's another way you can help support the show because I do not have paid sponsors on this show. It's only supported by generous listeners like you. All right, let's get right into, that's enough of the announcements. Let's get into the main topic of school security. Now, Many of you know, if you listen to the other show that I do on handguns, called the Handgun World Podcast, I'd invite you to listen to that if you're a firearms enthusiast, or if you love freedom. You probably know that I recently, about seven or eight months ago, I became a firearms trainer for Suarez International. And uh, Gabe Suarez has pretty successful organization, pretty successful training organization. He recently put out uh, an article on his Warrior Talk News. He does a uh, blog called Warrior Talk News. Uh, If you just go to warriortalknews.com, and by the way, I'll put a link to this article so you can sign up and subscribe. It's a free subscription. He wrote an article about active shooters. What is it we can do to protect against active shooters? Shooters, pretty interesting stuff here. Because after all, that's what it was. That's that's who that uh, scumbag was. I don't even want to say the guy's name because I don't want to give him any more notoriety because it's just ridiculous. Even though he's not with us, he's deceased. I don't want to give these cowards any notoriety. Okay, the guy that did the Sandy Hook shooting and many of the others before him, the slime ball in Colorado and Virginia Tech and Fort Hood. The list goes on. What's the final solution in dealing with these people? Well, that's the first topic I want to talk about uh, before I get into a phenomenal email that I got from a listener. So I'll share with you some of the some of the things that Gabe says in this article. I'm going to paraphrase. I want you to go back and read the entire article. So go to the show notes for this episode, episode 198, and click that link so you can read the whole thing. But, you know, we've Gabe says this. He says, we've heard all different types of solutions to these problems. And most of the solutions that are coming out right now have a lot of stupidity and cowardice. Have you noticed that? And you have to begin with a premise here. And this is something that might be difficult for a lot of you to 
understand. For well, maybe not some of you who listen to this show, but some of the people, some of the ostriches that that don't listen to this show, they're ostriches because they got their heads stuck in the sand. Okay, they don't want to believe what I'm about to tell you right now is something I've always believed, and Gabe believes it. You have to begin with an assumption that man is evil and selfish and dark. Okay, now, folks, many of you know, I'm a man of Christian faith. This show is not about religion, and if you're not a a person of Christian faith, that's okay. I'm not saying you can't be a good survivalist, and you can't be a good prepper. But one of the things that I have learned is that it's, it's typically true. Man is evil and selfish and dark. We are fallen. We are a fallen people, a fallen society. And I think now in the year 2013, that's more true than it ever has been. You know, you think about it. If if a man is left in the wild, if the man is just left in the wild to fend for himself, he's going to live like an animal. He's going to become a predator. He's going to have a drive to eat. Okay? He's going to, by force, He's going to take things. And we're, we're still predators today. It's only with civilization and morality and a sense of right and wrong that elevates man from the self-serving animal that's out there. And it elevates man to the status of human being. And Gabe's right about that. Now, one of the problems that we have here is we've, we have in America, I don't know about some of you listening from other countries, maybe this exists in your country, I don't know, but modern America has this idiotic desire to never offend anybody, right? Political correctness. And we've sacrificed the definition of what's right and what's wrong for some sense of approval out there. Some idiotic, weird need for approval or political correctness. We sacrifice what's right and wrong. But you know what's interesting? Is, is Americans don't want to hear about what's right and wrong. You know, God himself defines good and evil. And if you, even if you don't believe in God, if you're an atheist, how can you look at the Sandy Hook tragedy and, and not realize that that's evil? But see, people don't want to, they don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that there's right and wrong. They don't want to hear about it. Because guess what? You know why they don't want to hear that someone might be evil? It might offend somebody. Okay? Maybe or maybe they're offended. Or maybe maybe you got these soccer moms that just can't fathom that their little kids might get subjected to evil. But you know what? There were some parents whose kids were subjected to evil last month. In Connecticut, in Newtown. And the, the problem is, is without the light of good, there's nothing really holding back the darkness. And, and when nothing holds back evil and darkness, the forces of evil are allowed to grow stronger and they flex their muscles. And we've seen it. The flexing of the muscles of evil happened at Columbine. It happened at Aurora. It happened in Connecticut. It happened in Tucson. It happened at Virginia Tech. It happened at Fort Hood. So, what do we do? 
How do we really, really stop it? I think we have to invite the source of light. We have to invite good. And you've heard the old saying that the best way for evil to flourish is when good men do nothing. That's what's happening. Good men are doing nothing. And so evil flourishes. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. Changes is not going to just happen overnight. It's not going to happen with a president's executive order. It's not going to happen with a Congress passing gun control. So what do we do in the meantime? Here's the problem. There's a huge socialist movement in America, and I really believe that. I really believe... You know what? A year ago, you couldn't convince me of that. With what's happened lately, with the financial shenanigans going on, and the absolute ridiculous, unsustainable financial path that the United States of America is on, I really believe that there's a big socialist movement. Call me crazy. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Go ahead and call me tinfoil hat. Fine. I've prided myself on not being tinfoil hat. Go ahead and call me that. There's a socialist movement going on in America. And the people who voted for all these socialists that are in power. So, what do good men do? Well, the NRA came out and said that they want security guards in every school. Every soft target out there, they want armed security guards. It's a, it's a decent idea. And it's one, when I first heard that idea, I thought, well, yeah, it might not be a bad idea. Let's have an armed, trained security guard at every school. And that's a pretty good idea, but what's at what cost? What's the, what, what's the money cost going to be? In that, what's the money cost? Now, they say, well, put retired cops in school. Really? Let's not assume that every man or woman that has worn a badge is the type of person that would actually take on a crazed gunman that comes into a school. Not every retired cop was was an old SWAT cop. Okay? The guy who's retired, who now is 275 to 300 pounds, has heart problems. Is this guy going to be rushing a a crazed gunman who's 20 years old, coming in with guns, busting in windows and things like that? Okay. I mean, think about it. Uh, just kind of picture that in your brain for a minute. No, no disrespect to retired police officers because, you know what? Guess what? There are some police officers, retired or even active duty, that says, they say, heck yeah, give me the challenge. I'll take this nutbag out, and God bless them. But not everybody. So no disrespect to police officers. So you think, well, what in the heck do we do? The answer is right in front of us, folks. The answer is right in front of our noses. Problem is, is the answer is not on the payroll. And the the problem is, is Washington doesn't want to understand what the real answer is either. All right, and and before I get into that, let's talk a little bit about the role of the protector. You know, Gabe Suarez has a he has a great definite he has a great sentence here where he where he lays this out. He says the role of a protector cannot be assigned. You can't order a Pekingese to turn into a pit bull. The role of protector is a self selected action. The mother that protects the students from the killer has self selected herself. As a protector. God bless that teacher. May she rest in peace. And, and may her soul be up there in, in, in heaven with God. That teacher 
who took it upon herself to protect their students. And she got shot in the process and killed. The father that runs into a burning building to save a child self-selects himself as a protector. What parent would not die for their kid if they were given that choice? You know, now death is not required. But what parent would not risk their life for their kid? I know I would. I would. I wouldn't give it any, any more thought. So, let that just kind of hang out there for a minute. Let me let, let me let you think about that. And Gabe Suarez goes on to write. He says two points and two points only. We don't need blithering rants from Vice President Biden. The solution is right in front of us. Who's going to protect the innocent among us? The kids in school? The families of the innocents themselves will protect them. And here's a plan. Here's a plan. Here's basically a two-step plan that Gabe has laid out. I want to preface it by saying this. What better first responders than the people who are already there on the scene? Who better? Who better than the teachers and the administrators and the principals and the vice principals and everybody else who are right there in the school, in the classroom? Who could be better as a first responder? So number one, Gabe Suarez writes, abolish all gun-free zones. Not that any bad guy with a gun actually observes those limits anyway. A case in point, from Aurora to Columbine and from Connecticut to San Ysidro, it did not stop the killers, did it? But it did, in fact, stop the self-selected protectors. See, here's the thing. If you abolish gun-free zones, it's probably not going to stop the killer from trying it might be somewhat of a deterrent i'll give you that okay it might make him think twice it might maybe make him change his mind but you gotta understand something an evil madman is an evil madman an evil madman is going to carry out and do what he wants to do because that's just what he is that he's an evil madman you know i hear a lot of this let's get rid of all gun-free zones and i think we need to get rid of all gun-free zones But I really don't think that someone that has the horrible intentions, like these school shooters, I don't think it's going to stop them from going to do it, to do what they want to do. What it's going to do is it's going to stop the the protectors. It's going to stop the good people, the good guys. It's going to stop the self-selected protectors that might have been there with a weapon to stop these people. Because guess what? It's a gun-free zone. They're law-abiders. Law-obeyers is what I meant to say. They're law-abiding citizens. So guess what? If the law says, hey, this is a gun-free zone, they're going to obey the law. And they're going to say, well, gee, I'm not, I can't take my gun in there. And now it takes out the protectors. It, it, it removes them. It removes the very first responders that could be the best ones on the scene with a gun to stop these people. Had good guys been there at Sandy Hook to kill the killers, how many lives might have been spared? Recently, my instructing partner 
Ben Branham and myself. We, we do these classes together. We recently uh, put out the call for school teachers who want to come to our firearms training courses that we do here in San Antonio and in Dallas. They can come for free. It's a one-day class worth $150. Any school teacher, and I'll put this out again, any school teacher or school administrator who wishes to take our class at no cost, it's not a CHL course, okay, you're not going to get a chance, you're not going to get the right to carry a gun, go get your CHL license, but Ben and I will teach you how to win, we'll teach you how to use your firearm to win the fight, or to stop the bad guy. You can come for free if you're an educator. You got until June 30th to do that. Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes as to what our schedule of classes coming up. We've already got four teachers signed up. Four of them. Glad to see that so far. We do have limits. We can only put uh, four in a class. We have three in one class and one in another. So we can only have four in a class just because there's only so many people that Ben and I can handle when we teach. So one of the best things I think Gabe Suarez writes in this article is he says, who is really guilty for those murders? Who's just as guilty as the devil who pulled the trigger? It would be the architects of the gun-free zones. They have blood on their hands nearly as much as the guy that pulled the trigger. And step two of Gabe's plan I really like. Arm the fathers and the mothers. At schools, search through the parents list. How many of them fit into the role of being a self-selected protector? In other words, how many of them have their concealed carry permit? And I bet you're going to find in that group when you look at the fathers and the mothers I bet you're gonna find combat veterans you're gonna find working cops retired cops martial artists you're gonna find sheepdogs like me people who are I'm not a retired cop I'm not ex-military I'm not even well trained in martial arts I'm just a man who firmly believes in my right to self-defense, and my right to defend my family. So you're going to find me when you look at that group of people. So think about this. You know, Gabe closes this article by saying this. He says, there's no greater motivated fighter than a man fighting for his home or his family. No badges or grants or approval from Washington or the NRA is needed. What father would not have given his life to be there in Connecticut with a pistol to kill that killer before the children were sacrificed? I would have been. I'd have been that father. I swear to God I'd have been that father. The solution to these horrific events is simple and it's clear to anybody that wants to find them. Most of America, however, however, especially our leadership in America, they don't really want a solution They just want to use these events as opportunities. And boy, did we ever see that, huh? Didn't we see that a few days ago? With the photo opportunity of the president, with the kids behind him signing executive orders. I want to put out a call to all of you listening to this show. How many of the executive orders that the president of the United States signed a few days ago, how many of those would have made an ounce's worth of difference in Newtown, Connecticut? How many of them? The answer is zero. 
So if he really, really wanted a solution, why did he sign the executive orders that he did? Google the executive orders and read them. It's all a bunch of fluff. Here's another question. How many of the gun control policies being proposed in Congress, or that are about to be proposed, how many of those would have stopped that guy in Connecticut? Oh, well, let's not let him have 30-round magazines. Okay, you know what he'll do? If you don't let him have 30-round magazines, if you only let him have a 10-round magazine, hey, folks, it's not that easy, or it's not that hard to get magazine carriers. Pretty easy. So he'll strap five magazines or seven magazines to his belt. Now he's got 70 rounds. You know how quickly a well-trained person can reload a handgun or a rifle? You don't even have to be all that well-trained. You know, think about it. He's in a gun-free zone. So who's going to stop him from reloading? Reloading might take him a couple of seconds, but who's going to stop him? It's a gun-free zone. Remember, all you're doing when you create a gun-free zone is you're making darn sure that there's not going to be any self-appointed protectors. That's all you're going to do. Think about that. So, that, I think it was a great article by Gabe Suarez. you got to read that and read some of the other articles on his blog, Warrior Talk News. So, let's just take a real quick intermission. I want you to listen to this public service announcement. It's kind of cool. Kind of interesting. It's very, I think it's very appropriate for the times that we now live in. And I'll be right back to talk about a phenomenal email that I got. Stay tuned. Well, yeah, it's getting tough out there. Yeah, no doubt. I work in home invasions, mostly. Uh, Some murder, uh, occasional rape. uh, And I'm a huge advocate of gun control. Absolutely. Uh, Competition is stiff. And it, it doesn't help that every time I kick in a door or smash a window, that I face the possibility of being shot and killed. Listen, the fact is... Allowing citizens to own guns creates a hostile work environment for me and my associates. Uh, no one should have to work under, under those conditions. Uh, I say make them all illegal. Absolutely. Make all gun ownership illegal. I mean, I break the law for a living. I'm a professional, so it doesn't really bother me. <clears throat> I mean, but personally, knowing that most homeowners don't have guns, uh, that would make me a lot more comfortable, uh, more confident, and it would surely increase productivity. No doubt. No doubt. Your local violent criminals work hard and put their lives on the line every time they attempt to murder, rape, abduct, or assault a member of the citizenry. They desperately need your help. With your support, there may finally come a day when a violent criminal can have his way with you or someone you love without the fear, anxiety, and stress caused by knowing there's a possibility his victim might be armed. Please show your support by voting for stronger anti-gun legislation because criminals prefer unarmed citizens.
Okay, I'm back with you. Now, I want to talk about an email that came to me from a gentleman named Kyle. I'm not going to use his last name because he hasn't given me permission to do so. But he's a teacher. And Kyle wrote this to the superintendent and the Board of Education where he teaches. Listen to this. This is a terrific email, a terrific letter, whatever, that it is that he wrote. And uh, again, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's excellent. It's excellent. Um, I think he teaches some sort of technology at the school where he teaches. Listen to this. He says, in the past several decades, locations of public concentration have been the focus of internal and external terrorist attacks. Now, I think it's interesting that he calls it terrorist attacks. That's interesting. Think about that. They've taken place at shopping malls and churches and colleges and universities and schools. In every instance, the shooter or the bomber has sought out areas known as gun-free zones, where the victims are concentrated in areas where firearms are prohibited. And many current school safety plans implement the active shooter model, where the staff and the teachers and the students lock down the school and they wait for armed response and intervention from local law enforcement. Unfortunately, mobilization and response times during these can be several minutes to sometimes even an hour. In the recent Sandy Hook incident... The shooter was able to kill 26 individuals before law enforcement arrived. Actions taken by unarmed school administrators and teachers to stop the attack at the outset were unsuccessful. Remember, they were unarmed. This was also the case in the Virginia Tech attack. Those with concealed carry permits were prohibited from carrying on campus. And because of that, they were not able to stop the attack on the campus grounds once it started. By the time the law enforcement arrived, there was really no defense, and and, and the victims were slaughtered. It's clear that despite safety procedures already in place, numerous means of entry and attacks still exist. In the Sandy Hook incident, multiple security preventatives were thwarted when the assailant broke through an adjoining window and broke through the physical barriers within the school to reach staff and students. In every instance in which a trained armed citizen, off-duty law enforcement officer, or armed security personnel provided an immediate response to the similar attacks, like in the Utah Mall or Appalachian School, Appalachian Law School attack, New Life Church attack, Golden Food Market attack, Early Texas Peach House attack, and the Clackamas Mall, The attack stopped or the shooter committed suicide. In other words, what he's saying here, what Kyle is saying is every time these cowardly thugs run up against some armed resistance, guess what they do? They do what their cowardly instincts make them do. They commit suicide. Right? You know why? Because they're cowards. That's why. And because they don't want to face the consequences of their action. Hmm. Think about that. Kyle continues to write, There has been no evidence produced that a bystander was injured by the concealed weapons holder 
in any of these cases. I'm going to repeat that. There has been no evidence produced that a bystander was injured by the concealed carry permit holder. You know, what's interesting is I'm going to add something to this. You know, recently I read, where did I read this now? I think it was, I think it was on Facebook. Somebody said, well, we can't arm teachers. We can't arm teachers because if we did that, what happens if a teacher gets mad at the students and starts shooting them? And I, I thought to myself, what an idiotic statement. Does that person really distrust teachers that much? That they think that a teacher, that a school teacher, would get mad at students and start shooting them if, they, if the teacher had a gun? Come on. If that parent's so worried about teachers doing something like that, and it was a woman, by the way, why does she even send her kids to school? Why doesn't she just homeschool them? Certainly she doesn't distrust or, or think that badly of a teacher, does she? Come on. That's just, that's just ins- insane thinking. So Kyle continues to write, There's also no evidence that exists that a licensed employee has ever experienced a negligent discharge of a concealed firearm while in a school. In the United States, by the way. In several instances, teachers have left their classrooms in order to retrieve a firearm from their vehicle. In 1997 Pearl, Mississippi school shooting, the assistant principal retrieved a gun from his car and physically immobilized the gunman for four and a half minutes while waiting for the police to arrive. The gunman had already fatally shot two students. Numerous states and districts within states have already utilized a model where the highly trained administrators, staff, and teachers, in conjunction with local law enforcement, carry concealed firearms within the school environment. In places like Indiana, Utah, Texas, Oregon, Arizona, and Hawaii. In Colorado, an individual is permitted to carry a concealed weapon within a school if that role is designated as part of the official duties of the employee. Here's the Colorado statute. A permit to carry a concealed handgun authorizes the permittee to carry a concealed handgun in all areas of the state, except as specifically limited in this section. A permit does not authorize the permittee to use a handgun in a manner that would violate a provision of state law. A local government does not have the authority to adopt or enforce an ordinance or resolution that would conflict with this. A permit issued pursuant to this part does not authorize a person to carry a concealed handgun onto the real property or into any improvements erected of a public elementary, middle, junior, or high school, except that a permittee may have a handgun on the real property of the public school as long as the handgun remains in his or her vehicle, and if the permittee is not in the vehicle, the handgun is in a compartment within the vehicle, and then the vehicle is locked. And it should be noted, by the way, that there are a lot of school district employees in Colorado that are concealed weapon holders that currently comply with this Colorado law. And they do indeed place their firearms in a compartment in their vehicle before entering school property and, and, and begin their duties. 
Now, here's a pretty good plan that Kyle lays out. This is interesting. And he's asking his school district. This is a letter he wrote. He's asking his district in Colorado to consider the following to their safety plan. You ready for this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine points to this plan. This is a terrific school security plan. Think about this. Provide the staff, administrators, and teachers currently in possession of a Colorado concealed carry weapon permit the following additional training with performance testing that exceeds the standards set forth by the state of Colorado peace officers standards and training and that they be permitted to carry a concealed weapon as part of their official duties on the school district as per Colorado revised statutes. Number two, additional training and or testing will be under the supervision of the county sheriff's department and paid for by the employee. The employee must demonstrate competency on static and dynamic targets. By the way, if you come to the classes that Ben and I teach, we're going to do that. We're going to teach you. And so all the educators who are coming to our classes, they're going to be able to demonstrate competency on static and dynamic targets. Dynamic targets means targets that move. And they also have to be able to demonstrate appropriate decision-making skills in an active shooter situation. The employee must demonstrate appropriate firearms handling and safety techniques and procedures at all times. Step three, the employee, he's talking about the school district employee, will be required to cooperate with the district's administration and personnel to be knowledge of and adhere to active shooter protocols. The employee will act in accordance to such protocols during any incident until law enforcement arrives on the scene. Plan number or part number four, the firearm carried by the employee is to be concealed at all times so that the staff and the students are not aware of its presence. The presence of the concealed firearm is to be known by appropriate administration and personnel at all times. The firearm is never to be separated in any way from the licensed holder. The employee, this is number five, the employee will allow school district personnel to inspect and safety check any concealed firearm and be provided with all the relevant data regarding that firearm being carried. Like the serial number, the caliber, the location of the concealed firearm on the employee and so forth. Number six, the employee will agree to attend at the employee's expense all subsequent training and testing defined by the school district. That is, of course, unless they happen to know Bob Main and Ben Branham, who do these for free for a limited period of time. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Number seven, all employees permitted to carry concealed on school district property will be provided at the employee's expense a specific identification to be carried at all times, concealed, of course, indicating the carry of a concealed firearm and it's to be produced when requested by any administrator or school district personnel in accordance with the current lockdown procedures. 
And number eight, any additional costs associated with the program, licensing, training, and insurance are the sole responsibility of the employee. Number nine, finally, the employee permit the employee permit holder understands that the firearm is to be concealed, never brandished, and secured on their person at all times in a retention holster. Failing to adhere to any of these policies set forth by the district is grounds for immediate suspension of the employee's right to carry within the district property and might be construed as a violation of the employee's contract and state law. So, what do you think of that? Pretty interesting, huh? Pretty good stuff there. I thought that was a very, very well thought out and very concise uh, email by Kyle. I'm going I'm to email him and I'm going to ask him if he got any kind of a response. And I promise I'll share the response with you in an upcoming show. But both of these people, Kyle in Colorado and Gabe Suarez, basically they pretty much have proposed the same solution for school security, haven't they? And I agree with both of them. I think this is fantastic. Now, uh, did you hear any of this from President Obama? Or have you heard any of this from anybody in Congress? Well, yeah, you, if you listen carefully, there are some people in Congress. Matter of fact, here in Texas, by the way, we have, we have, uh, we have state legislators here in Texas that are basically calling for this very thing. Uh, the Texas legislature might vote on it before their session is over with. Governor Rick Perry is asking for school boards to do this very thing that Kyle writes about. Folks, I think this is the only answer. I really do. I think in order to fight back this evil that exists, we have to do just that. We have to fight back. We cannot we cannot think that passing laws is going to make any difference because Can anybody tell me what criminal obeys laws by the very definition of them being a criminal? They don't obey laws. All these people that want all this gun control, what makes them think that any criminal is going to obey any law that's put on the books? They don't already, which is why they're a criminal. And by the way, that guy who went into Sandy Hook He was a criminal. He stole his mother's guns, first of all. Those were not his property. He stole those firearms. That makes him a criminal right there. He went into into a school and killed people. He's a criminal. He was an evil-minded criminal. You know what? If he couldn't get his mother's guns, he would have got a gun somewhere. You know, one of Obama's executive orders I thought was kind of laughable. Tighten up background checks. Well, boy, I feel safer now, don't you? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have background checks. I am a firm believer in background checks. But I certainly don't feel any safer knowing that tighter background checks are in place. Because let me ask you a question. What criminal is going to go through a background check to get his gun? How stupid is that? A criminal who knows he can't pass a background check is not going to walk into a gun store and buy a gun. And by the way, if a criminal fills out the 4473 federal form that you have to fill out to buy a gun, if he fills that out and lies, he's committing a felony right there. He's a criminal once again. Okay? And by the way, once they find out he lies, they're going to call for his arrest. He's probably going to be arrested before he leaves the gun shop. Because when they call his background check in and they find out that he's a felon, 
they're instructed to call the cops, and they will call the cops, and the guy is probably going to be arrested before he leaves the store. He knows that. They know that. They're not going to go to a gun show or a store or anything like that to buy a gun. Okay, They're going to get their guns from their, their drug buddy down the street. From their drug buddy or their drug dealer or their drug pusher, they're going to ask him, Hey man, here's 500 bucks. Can you get me a gun? And on the black market, somehow, some way, they'll get a gun. Or they'll steal it. They'll break into someone's house and they'll find a gun and they'll steal it. Or break into somebody's vehicle and they'll steal a gun. So all these background checks and everything and all this fluffy stuff that President Obama put in his executive orders, man, you shouldn't feel one ounce safer because guess what? Criminals are going to completely ignore that and any gun control legislation put through Congress. So think about school security here. I'm going to wrap this up, but think about school security. Think about what it's going to take. I believe that both of these articles are right on. That's what it's going to take. We will never stop this kind of stuff until we give the good guys the ability to fight back. And I think Wayne LaPierre was exactly right. The only thing that can stop a, uh, that can effectively stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I am a good guy with a gun. And I'm a good guy that carries my gun as much as I can, wherever it's legal. I will fight back against a bad guy with a gun. Will you? Will you support that? That, I think, is the key to school security. Kyle, magnificent letter that you wrote. Again, I'm going to see if Kyle got a response from his Board of Education and his superintendent. I'm going to find out what uh, what kind of a response he got, if any. And I'm going to link. Uh, I think I'm going to put, well, I'm going to get Kyle's permission first. Once I get his permission, I'm going to put his email without his last name on it. I'm going to put it on the uh, forum, on the Today's Survival Show forum. And I'll link to Gabe's article. With that said, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in to episode 198 of Today's Survival Show, where it's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are and make your schools safer. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.